0: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more
1: in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635.
2: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
3: I hate that guy. I love that guy.
4: Thank you for that, and the show continues, Rick Tittle with you, what you begotten. You ever listen to that newscast at the top of the hour? It's, uh, I think Fox News people listen to that thing in blush. I think Newsmax called it, quote-unquote, too conservative. <laughs> you ever listen to the stories on there? Kyla Harris is the most powerful vice president in the history of the United States. The borders are being overrun. It seems like every quote they have is, Joe Biden is a stupid jackass. Ah, If it's a story, it's a story. It just seems like every story. I don't know. Who's behind that newscast? I don't know. That's why I skip it. Every once in a while, I I do get a nugget, right? You got to stay informed. I say let me know if the country's being invaded but other than that try to stay out of the news. Duh, news. I still want to produce the Ed Koch uh, documentary. I remember when 60 minutes interviewed him. And he took over from Abraham Beam. Abraham Beam was the guy during Son of Sam. Abraham Beam was like this 5 foot 1 lawyer, a uh, uh, mayor when New York was going into the crapper. When um, he ran for governor, he ran against uh, Mario Cuomo, and because Ed Koch wasn't married, they thought he was gay, and he said there were actually signs that said, Vote for Cuomo, not the homo. Those were like bumper stickers in New York at the time. But, uh, I mean, the guy is as New York as, as it comes. He was like born in the Bronx and lived in the village. He died in New York City like at 88 but I'm more interested in those World War II years and those campaigns that he was in. You know? People look at him and go, oh, that tall, wimpy guy. It's like they said about the first George Bush, too, shot down by the Japanese. That guy, Prescott Butch's son, he could have totally gotten out of the war if he felt like it. Hey, Dad, put me in the National Guard in Iceland. They don't make him like that anymore. Actually, Ed Koch, the documentary, I don't know, let's do it. Get behind it. Anybody? No one? Bueller? All right. Two more hours. Come on back. Time for your Small Business Report presented by Dell Small Business. Training employees is key,
5: but so is having time to get your own work done. So once you have them trained, be sure to give each other space. If you've got a good training program, your staff should be empowered and competent enough to make most of the decisions that fall within their job role on their own that will free each of you up to focus on your own tasks. Email is a great way to connect and the occasional face-to-face meeting is fine, but if you've hired the right person, let them get the job done. And that's your Dell Small Business Report. It's Small Business Month, and Dell Technologies and Windows are celebrating your unstoppable drive. Save up to 45% on powerful PCs with Windows 10 Pro to work from anywhere, plus top monitors and docks for the ultimate business setup, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right business tech, server, storage, and cloud solutions at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877 ask dell For Small Business Month Savings.
6: I'm Ron Barr. All my life I've been active, playing tennis, pickup basketball, cycling, and swimming. But let me tell you, as I've gotten older, my body now tells me when enough is enough and I've done too much. Did you know 100 million Americans suffer from ongoing pain due to aging, exercise, overexertion, and the effects of everyday living? I want to recommend Relief Factor to you. Relief Factor can help all those body parts that are hurting, sore, such as neck and shoulder, back, hip, or knee, or just general muscle aches and pains. Here's what I recommend. Go to relieffactor.com to find out more. And Relief Factor has something special for the Sports Byline USA Network listeners. You can get their three-week quick start program for just $19.95. That's only $0.95 a day. So give them a call at 800-500-8384. That's 800-500-8384 or check it out at relieffactor.com.
1: 800-472-5145. That's 800-472-5145.
4: Hour 2 of titling Sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better. But it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk. Yes. Hour two of titillating sports.
7: Hey, check out Channel
4: Nine. Check out Rick Tittle. Thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. Jeff Dye will be with us. I got a note that he's at Philly Helium. I think that's wrong. I think it's Portland Helium. Looking at the email now. But uh, it's like uh, (laughs) I have an actress coming up named Mika Borum, but the email says Mike Borum. I really get this spell correct. It's going to get you. It's going to get you, get you. All right, when we get uh, Jeff, we'll throw him on the air. I thought I would spend another hour on Ed Koch. Just kidding. Uh, There is one more thing I'd like to say (laughs) now that I bring him up. But I remember when he was interviewed on 60 Minutes, He was on a rooftop, and he was looking around, and you know in New York, or if you don't know, they have these old-fashioned water towers, which are these sort of silos with little pointy roofs, and they're, they're very antiquated looking, but I remember he pointed them out, and he goes, look at those water towers. He goes, don't you just love this city? Don't you just love this city? It's absolutely amazing. So whenever I look at those water towers, I think of Ed Koch. Then I think of Mike Crutch. No, just kidding. Um, speaking of New York, the Knicks are for real. Julius Randle is an all-star. And remember, when they signed Randle two years ago, he was sort of seen as the consolation prize because they were trying to get Kevin Durant. They were trying to get Kyrie Irving. And so it was like, "Uh, all right, we'll take Randle. It kind of reminds me in a way of in the draft where Dak Prescott was taken by Dallas, They tried to get Lynch out of Memphis, Paxton Lynch. And then they wanted Connor Cook out of Michigan State, Denver and Oakland, respectively. And Jerry Jones is like, "Mm, all right, I guess we'll take this guy, even though he wanted uh, those other two guys. So, uh, as I said, Randall was sort of the best available alternative. And if they had saw what was coming, they would have likely given him more than two Uh, guaranteed years on his contract because remember when he was with the Lakers, he was okay. And then he went to the Pelicans. And if you think about the underwhelming first year in New York, but he has evolved into one of the NBA's best overall players. And he is going to win the most improved player. In the NBA. There's no doubt, averaging 24, 11 rebounds, six assists per game. They're all career highs. All right, we'll get back to that in a second. You know, I love the comedy and um, getting very close to having the punchline and Cobbs open back up. Remember, we talked to Alice Wetterland. She's going to christen Cobbs as uh, they reopen again. But uh, we're very happy to bring in uh, back to the show once again comedian Jeff Dye. He is at uh, Helium up there in uh, Portland. And, uh, Jeff, first of all, when I think of Portland, I think about something that Ian Carmel told me one time. He said, we wake up and we ride our bikes to build sustainable wind chimes. Does <laughs> Does Portland still hit you that way?
7: Yeah, it's pretty annoying. It's a pretty annoying place, Yeah. <laughs>
4: But the Helium Club, I mean, is it, what is it, half capacity? In, in, in Oregon, do they still wear masks? Are we close to normality?
7: No. Oregon, Oregon is, uh, or not Oregon, but Portland is very, very still still pretty far back on all that stuff. But it's fine. It's whatever. They're still doing life. They're just wearing masks a lot and uh, keeping their distance. It's fine. But comedy's happening, so we're doing it.
4: Now, as a Seattle guy, obviously it's not home, but does it kind of remind you of home a little bit that close?
7: Yeah, yeah that's why I feel comfortable saying it's annoying, you know because i I love it, they're just you know it's an odd place, and it's fine It's, it's, it's great, I love it. It is very Seattleish. it's like our baby brother, you know
4: <laughs> they probably don't I used, it.
7: Say, I used to say Portland's the only place where you can get lectured about eating eating vegans from a smoker you know they'll be like you gotta eat healthy and then they're, they're smoking a cigarette while they're telling
4: you <laughs> I used to get crap because I would get like a cheeseburger and fries and a Diet Coke and people are like "What? why do you bother
7: exactly yeah no that's true
4: same sort of thing and then how about the uh, the TV show because uh, Better Late Than Never was such a hit uh, is that back in production again
7: I don't think it'll ever be back just because of um, you know the the Travel has been so difficult. I think the pandemic might have, or Corona might have killed that show, but mm. we still have time. You know, William Shatter's only 91 years old, so we've got plenty of time.
4: <laughs> what about when you guys did go overseas? I mean, how were the? who was the guy that really got the most reception? Because I was thinking sports-wise, boxing is an international sport, but I think about how big, you know, Hollywood. Who was the one that people died for?
7: Um, The most recognizable in season one was George Foreman because he's a giant black guy walking through Asia. So any, and you, like you said, boxing is a, is an international you know, thing. So he, he got recognized everywhere. Uh, Terry was the least recognized because American football is just an American thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Henry Winkler and William Shatter got recognized. William Shatter doesn't really look like himself anymore. Like he didn't look like the way he used to look. hmm but there were Star Trek fans that every place we went, just camped out trying to get, um, trying to get his autograph. So th- th- everybody but me and Terry Bradshaw were were recognized everywhere.
4: <laughs> you know, it's funny when I tell people because I'm in my 50s, growing up that you know the Fonz was about as cool as you could get. But if you didn't see Happy Days and you'd see you know Henry Winkler in these sort of like milk toast roles, like in Night Shift, and then as you know the lawyer in Arrested Development. They're like, wait, that guy was the cool guy. I, I kind of admire yeah. him. He reinvented himself.
7: Exactly. Yeah, he's so sweet and Jewish and, and nice and great and funny and hilarious. It is hard to imagine him as like this, you know, cool high school guy. Um, it's funny. I was at a. I was. What was I shooting? I was shooting something at NBC, and someone hit the side of a, a pot machine, and they go, "Hey." I was like, wow, even in 2021, we still use the Fonz as like the measuring stick of what's cool.
4: <laughs> hey, I know it was, uh, it's hard to believe that, uh, he was a sex symbol. So for you with your set, I mean, it was hard to work things out on zooms and parking lots and things. So did you, did you get a tight 15 and it extended to a 45? Did it take longer? Was it quicker? How did it change for you?
7: Uh, I don't know what you mean. Wait, explain that again.
4: Like, you know, just getting a new set without being able to work it out this last year.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm still, a lot of the jokes, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of the jokes I did before the pandemic, so I have I have, I have, some stuff that has to do with now and some stuff that has to do with whatever, but um, yeah, there's not, not really that dramatic of a difference, really.
4: About four years ago, I went and saw Judd Apatow at uh, Gotham, and he said, I have a Netflix special coming out tomorrow with these jokes, and I'm not allowed to do do these jokes ever again, so this is the last night. Um, Really? Yeah, but then again, uh, one of the Wayans brothers told me, I never did a special, so I'm doing the same set for five years. How how does that kind of work with that? Because on the one hand, if you see a musical act, you want all the old stuff, but not when you're a comedian?
7: Well, let me start by saying this is a really good question, because this is something comics talk about all the time, but you don't generally speak about it on interviews with the public. But. So I used to think, oh, I did that on The Tonight Show. I can't do it ever again, right? But that's really, really arrogant to presume that everyone's seen me on The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who come, they don't even know who I am. So for me to assume that they've seen everything I've done is is, is quite a quite a thing to, to claim. So I try to do a lot of new stuff, but then I will throw in the things that I know that work, because I'll be honest, most people haven't seen my stuff. So I, I don't ever presume they've seen anything.
4: Well, get down to Helium Comedy Club. Go to heliumcomedy.com for tickets in Portland. He's there this weekend down there on uh, Southeast ninth avenue jeff thanks for stopping by we look forward to having you here in uh, san francisco when you come in
7: i'm excited thank you so much man i appreciate
4: you all right good stuff uh, coming up on the other side actress director mika borum come on back who's watching Tell me who's watching
8: who's watching me
1: That's 800-760-1845. I'm just a caveman. Your world
10: frightens and confuses me. (laughs) Rick Tittle wants to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1-800-878-PLAY.
0: I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy.
11: Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. Why are not you go to hell? No, you go to hell. Why are you there? Why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not.
4: What <laughs> <laughs> the hell is that? Thank you for that. Welcome back. To the show, Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to be joined by Hollywood veteran Mika Borum, and uh, she's here to talk about uh, her uh, movie Hollywood.com, which uh, is her directorial debut. Mika, it's kind of funny. I got the email you were on, and it said Mike, and it just reminded me of Eurotrip, the whole Mika thing, huh?
2: I love that movie. That was so funny. That got referenced so much in my life.
4: Yeah, I can only imagine. So um, they always say in in, uh, the sports world that, you know, uh, athletes want to be actors and actors want to be athletes. But what is it about actors who want to direct, too? Because that seems to be another thing. It's like, let me be in charge. What was it like then actually being in charge?
2: Fun. Fun. It's fun being at the helm of something. You know, I think um, someone uh, likened the experience to me before as being an actor, you um, attend someone's event or you attend someone's party, and then being the director, you're the host. So you call the shots, you organize things, you put it together. And so I just love the collaboration of everyone teaming up and, um, you know, and, and mending minds with, uh, with other artists to create like a whole um you know a whole a whole piece of work
4: yeah so when you were growing up in in Tucson which obviously is is not Hollywood you were very young when you decided to sort of go all in and 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 go to LA and obviously it ended up working out but what was that decision like for your family and how old were you
2: child labor <laughs> <laughs> they said, you know, my dad's from Arkansas Mom's from a small town in Pennsylvania He said, get her to work No <laughs> um, I really, really uh, enjoyed acting I liked it a lot And it was one of those things So my dad's a gemologist And he traveled a lot with that anyway mm-hmm. And so um, we lived in Arizona We had a ranch there But then we also like lived in New Mexico We lived in Colorado for a while And so there was a lot of moving around, and um, they just decided, like, well, yeah, why why not some acting? And I started having success with it. The first film that I did was um, a Robert Redford film called Education of Little Tree, and I was about seven years old in it, and it takes place in uh, the 1920s, and I wear a sack dress. And we filmed in Montreal, and they had these beautiful sets that – where they, you know, it was out in the wilderness, and they were drawing tobacco and, like, the old candy shop with um, the authentic glass cases. And I just remember looking at it and being like, this is so cool. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's like the <laughs> ultimate fantasy playtime. I'm in. So that was, that was sort of, like, the kickoff for it.
4: And I also think, too, that, you know, when you were so young that the sort of star-struck intimidation that some get, and you're like, look, I worked with Anthony Freeman and Anthony... Or I should say, Morgan Freeman, Anthony Hopkins, Mel Gibson—you had worked with all those guys before you could buy a drink, right?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I was working with them before I knew to be intimidated by them, which right. is probably a good thing, right? But um, I had to say, I think the people who are at the to- who are at the top are always—I mean, not always, but like for the most part—nice. Like they're the nicest, you know. And I think sometimes you hit people in the middle; they're a little bit colder. But most of the people who are up there in really high positions, um, it seems like they got that way because because they know how to you know work the show with being kind to people and like you know maybe to do like
4: specifically where to do their blow ups. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> they they got the finesse on that.
4: Right. Well,
2: don't get in their eye lines.
4: A <laughs> <laughs> couple more questions for Miko Borum uh, Hollywood dot com. Now you mentioned your dad. Uh, Benjamin, who's a, a, a gemologist, this story set in Guatemala, this, a lot of this had to do with your dad's career and, and what he went through, right? Yeah,
2: so it was it was interesting. I knew that I wanted to direct because um, I've had this long career acting. I knew I wanted to direct, and so I was thinking of different storylines uh, that we could do, and so I went on this uh, jade-buying trip with my dad to Guatemala. We had been at the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show And which is the biggest one in the world, and they um, had a real lack of jade there. And so the show goes on for about a week and a half, and we were there at the beginning, and basically we knew that um, we'd get over to Guatemala, potentially find some jade, and then get back and sell it. So I went went on this jade-buying trip with my dad, and we went all through Guatemala, and we ended up meeting with these people who lived way back in the woods, and um, they had cursed jade from tombs, that they had actually pulled out of tombs because within the Mayan culture, a big thing is that you put a piece of jade in the mouth so that when the um, soul leaves the body, it, it takes that jade with it to the afterlife or, mm. or whatnot. Um, and so I was just like, what is going on here? So for the movie, uh, when we started putting it, and we actually ended up coming back with 300 pounds, um, which was fun, and sold out the Tucson Gem Mineral Show, 300 pounds of jade, which was crazy. But that's a whole other thing. But um, mm. when we put together the movie, we were like, okay, combined Hollywood because I've got some fun stuff with that I mean there's just this you know mover shaker con artist conversation that's all pulled from real life like I wrote that dialogue to be on point with people trying to hustle in LA so that's fun so combine that with um this Guatemala Enchanted Jade um Latin America vibe and feel and so the two uh, are meshed together and then like Get Shorty was always one of my favorites because I love you know, the sort of, like, backhanded, um, you know, making a movie, um, mm-hmm. you know, type uh, type vibe with it. So, yeah, so that's how it came together.
4: Well, you got a great cast. Um, you know, Paige Howard's going to be on my show next week. Uh,
2: I love her. That's that's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cute. She's the cutest.
4: Right. But Brian Krause and also Tom Arnold. Yeah. I, I, I had Tom Arnold in here years ago when, when he was doing a stand-up comedy set, and his... Energy, like he doesn't need coffee. The guy just goes, doesn't he?
2: Oh my goodness. Like no other. <laughs> he's <is> like a <laughs> lightning bolt. You just set him loose. And he's, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he's funny. He's so, so funny. So Tom played my dad on a TV show um, when I was like ten years old. I was on there for a couple of years. It was a War Brothers show called the Tom Show. Mm-hmm. And so when I put this together I reached out to him, and I was like, Tom, like, it's my directorial debut, like, what do you think? You'll play a drug lord, LJ, you'll run a cartel in Mexico, and he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I could totally do that. That's up my alley, mm-hmm. so, which is so funny, because uh, on Discovery+, Plus, they're just about to release. He's got his new project, The Meth Queen, which is about his sister um, being the meth queen of Iowa. And so they're doing that right now, so it's funny. So he got to have his own Mexican cartel. His sister has her meth cartel in Iowa. You know, just friends in the family. But um, overall with this cast, it was a blast, too. So everyone in it are people that I have worked with in the past that are friends. And so I reached out to them. They loved the idea. They thought it was, like, fun concept. And then I sat down with them, and I was like, okay, so, um, you know, you always get to play X, Y, Z type of character, like what would be really fun, fulfilling, and against type for you, and then we developed that, so um, like Devin Retray, who's really fun, um, he plays Andy Slimeck in it, the, the move and shake producer, but he was also like Buzz in Home Alone, um, he was on the TV show Mosaic, Masterminds, Russian Dolls, like he used to do a Steven Soderbergh movie, like he's crazy, but <laughs> so like for him, you know, um, sometimes he plays like the guy next door. Uh, you know, the, yeah, the guy next door, kind of like more sweet, like wholesome Midwest. And so this one, he's like moving, shaker producer, just like con con artists, con, con, con. So, um, and then we got Cody Cash, who was on Desperate Housewives forever, and he always plays a psycho killer. So he plays Marvin Lovejoy, the fabulous, fun secretary who dances and sings and networks his way to the top. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just and Paige. Paige is, uh, you know, Paige always. She's so sweet. She's just such a sweet, nice uh, girl. And so in this one, she's Move and Shake and producer Veronica Lake, um, who's hardball business girl. So, yeah, the cast on this is fun. And Brian, Brian Krause is, like, to die for. Um, Brian's a good bud. I know him. He and I, for years, have done um, charity events together for the Special Olympics for Northern California. We actually, it's a uh, snowboarding race team and they put you on with an athlete, and then there's a couple actors that it, uh, raises money um, for for Special Olympics um, Northern California. And so he was cool too. I was like, Brian, you got to get in here. You're like, Come on, do something for me. So he's got his little cameo as the director in there, which is which is totally totally cool. You know, it's just fun when you got buds, and they'll get behind you and jump in. And um, that's what this whole thing's been is is just like a super cool collaboration. So.
4: There she is, the director of the new movie, Hollywood.com, and uh, in it as well, Mika Borum. Congratulations on the film. Thanks for stopping by, and let's do it again sometime.
2: Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be on. Thank you.
4: All right. Thank you. I'm Rick Tuttle. Come on back. We got an open line.
1: That's 800-846-2153.
7: on the road at night, I see two headlights coming toward me. Fast, I have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly, head on into the oncoming car. I can anticipate the explosion, the sound of shattering glass, the flames rising out of the flowing gasoline.
12: Right. Well, I have to, I have to go now, Dwayne, because I, I'm due back on the planet Earth. Keep talking, baby. <laughs>
10: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
4: All right, uh, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Open lines at one 800 a play You know, the one thing about Mika Borum that I admire is that for such a, she's 33 now, but she really had the recipe to have one of those Hollywood child star meltdown things. She wasn't just, you know, on TV with, the Dawson's Creek and she played the young Ally McBeal the, the movies that she was in when you know she was starting at 10 years old huge multi-million dollar productions you know The Patriot Along Came a Spider Riding in Cars with Boys I mean, just these huge movies with big stars maybe because she still works with her dad and they she had a good relationship with her parents I guess but uh, yeah, she could have. Uh, she looks like she's doing great. She's still in movies, and now she's directing. So just because you're a child star doesn't mean you have to have be the meltdown guy. All right, one right, play. I just want to remind everybody about MasterClass, and we talked about it before. Um, this came out in twenty fifteen. MasterClass is the streaming platform where. Uh, anyone can learn from the world's best, and you get it. You make an annual membership, and then subscribers get unlimited access to over a hundred instructors and classes uh, over a wide range of subjects: arts and entertainment, business, design, sports, gaming, writing, all sorts of things. And the reason I bring it up is that uh, there's a new masterclass called "The Great One." Now. That can only be the great one, Wayne Gretzky. And, uh, you know, he's the best hockey player of all time. It's such a huge drop-off, too, because when you look at the top 10 in any sports category, when you look at the top 10, the next guy's kind of behind. When you look at Gretzky's numbers, like if you just counted his assists and not his goals, he'd still be the all-time leading scorer. I mean, he's just <laughs> head and tails above everyone when it comes to that type of thing. But this is just a little blurb that that Wayne said. Hello, everyone. When I was a kid, I grew up dreaming about playing in the National Hockey League. I didn't have the hardest shot or the quickest release. What I did have was a will to score. That's what made all the difference. And that same will and determination can be learned and applied to anything that you want to do in your life. So, as I said, you can take it. We're obviously not Wayne Gretzky, but you can take it uh, from his master class and uh, put it into your own. Uh, life, so yeah, check it out, Wayne Gretzky's masterclass, the great one. All right, one A play. Let's go out to Manhattan with Charlie. What's up, Charlie?
13: Hey, hey, Rick, what's going on, man? Not much. I will invest. I will invest a documentary on Ed Koch. If you invest in a documentary on Hell's Kitchen and a little of Times Square back in that same time period. <laughs>
4: That was uh I know Giuliani kind of made it into Disneyland there but uh yeah that was some rough days.
13: Yes as as the as a couple of my local buddies and I like to say it's as if Disney threw up and had a bad uh, bowel movement and that's what, <laughs> that's what that's what times. I mean I, I listen there it it is what it is. It's a little out of control now, in my opinion. I, it was bad back in the '70s when I was a little kid. But I remember going to some of those theaters, like seeing Kentucky Fried Movie
4: oh, and
13: and the Warriors uh, oh, yeah. and things like that. And I, I you know, I'm I'm nostalgic, uh, obviously. But there was an appeal about Times Square, and I'm sure there's places out by you in in the Bay Area, it's in Oakland, or and you know and and I, I do. I, I mean, listen. I I I avoid walking up Forty Second Street if I, you know, I when I'm just if I'm chugging across town. I I, I do miss the uh, the seedier, uh, less gentrified aspects of the neighborhood. But you know, it, it, and, and unfortunately now, because of course, it's becoming more like that now because the city's so empty. And uh, the homeless population has spiked. uh, And uh, what's his name? De Blasio really isn't, you know, in combination of a lot, I guess, a few different issues. Yeah. Um, But... uh no, I, I, that's all I want. And uh, just with, with regards to basketball and the Knicks, I'm obviously not a Knicks fan. But you know, certain certain sports, certain teams are important to be good. You know, that it's better for the league when they're good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the Knicks seem to be turning the corner and and, and uh, you know getting themselves back into uh, hopefully a, a nice run of really uh, good basketball, it's good for the league. I, I, I you know, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's good for the league. So
4: anyway, let me ask you this because when I was in Manhattan about four years ago, I had some time during the day and I love Woody Allen and I saw probably the worst movie he ever made. Wonder wheel, which had no point and had no laughs. But other than that,
13: (laughs) I'm not even familiar with that
4: movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, you know, well, you know, he grew up and going to Coney Island and all that, but yeah, I think it's Jim Belushi and, and, uh, Kate Winslet. It's just a waste of time, but, uh I love his movies in the seventies, but i went yes. to um i went to the uh the, a theater at union square like on on Broadway and I was surprised I was like the only guy there what what's your favorite or local go-to theater in manhattan
13: wow uh there there's one on 19th street that I like a lot that we that we used to go to all the time um you, you know there's no theater there's, you know, the theaters in Times square no, no longer exist the the one up on 72nd Street's a multiplex. I like mm-hmm. going up there because it's near the park. Um
4: Wait, the one uh, on 19th is that like 6th Avenue is it like over there? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, okay. Yes, yeah, I, I almost mean. went to that one.
13: And uh, obviously down on West 4th Street, Waverly uh Theater, they you know, they'll show those uh quote-unquote avant-garde and, mm-hmm. and films and those types of things if you're in the mood for seeing something that's a little uh off-center. Um but yeah, I, I mean, do you, do you in pre-COVID were you a theater goer, movie goer? Oh yeah, uh, big, the big big movies? time, big time. Yeah, same. I I do miss that. Are you going to start doing that
4: again? Uh, I guess yeah. And the the last one I went to was at the Scottsdale Mall when they canceled spring training in uh, in 2020, and I went to see a film called The Burnt Orange Heresy with Mick Jagger. It was not, oh, wow. if I oh, would, <laughs> if I got one movie to sit on for a year and a half, it probably wouldn't have been that one. But that was, uh, I'm actually one of those schmucks because of my hours that I'll go to movies by myself and I don't feel like a loser.
13: Yeah, no, I, I, I actually prefer going to the movies. I mean, I'm married, but like, you know, but it's like, well, I like going to the movies by myself. I mm-hmm. do that all the time. I mean, the last one I saw now, going back a while, is Dr. Sleep, that that secret, right. uh, sh- which, again, I, I wish that wasn't the last movie I've seen in, in two years or whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't, you know, no. it's not the shining. Right. Um, anyway, that's all I got, Rick. You have a good weekend, buddy.
4: Thanks. Well, I appreciate uh, it. Keep listening. All right, you too. That's uh, Charlie out there in uh, in New York City. Yeah, speaking of Dr. Sleep, that's with uh, Ewan McGregor, who has been on the show. I can brag about that one. Uh, one A play. The reason I was surprised, because as I said, there were a couple by Union Square. There was the Regal, and then up at uh, like Sixth Avenue was the AMC. Um, I just assumed because I've watched so many Woody Allen movies and and Seinfeld, and they just were always at the movies. And I was like the only guy in the theater. <laughs> I realized maybe because because I thought, oh, I'm seeing a Woody Allen movie. It just came out, and I'm seeing the Woody Allen movie. In New York this is perfect and no one was there and it stunk <laughs> not everything always works out like you think um, just as an aside when I think about something that you know I, I was really really excited about and then it was even better was when I was in Munich um, in October of 2019 and I was going to the uh, the Hofbräuhaus and And I got kind of an expensive hotel, like a block from it. So I, you know, I had a rental car and I knew I didn't have to drive. I'm just going to walk it. And it was even more fun and more awesome than I even thought. So sometimes, you know, I say, don't get too excited. It's always, it's not always let down, not always a letdown. All right. 1-800-878-PLAY. Speaking of New York, as I was getting to earlier about Julius Randle, he has been so successful in New York. He's been so embraced. My main man Sam Murill, who, uh who is one of my top three comedians. I'd put him third. I'd go Mark Norman, Joe List, Sam Morril, as far as these upcomings and their upcoming guys. And they're all like good friends. Uh, they do the cellar and all those places in uh, in Manhattan. But he had, you know, he's he's worked for the Knicks. Basketball is his one and only sport. And Sam has sat in here with me, and as soon as he comes in, all he wants to talk about is the Warriors and basketball and of course he was in there when in here when the Warriors were winning titles. But Sam has been saying all year Randall is an all-star, Randall is an all-star and then he ended up being right. And so Randall is actually loving it in New York and why not? And now he thinks that he could be the future instead of the now because he went on the Victory podcast And he said, I love playing in New York. I want to retire as a New York Knick. Now, historically speaking, the Knicks don't have a great track record of letting their legends retire there. If I think about the Knicks, who was the true legendary Knick that played his whole career there? Willis Reed, right? Anybody else? If you can tell me anyone else, I'd love to know. Because Walt Frazier, Clyde, he retired as a Cav. Bernard King, who was my favorite warrior when he went to the Knicks, he ended up in New Jersey. Patrick Ewing went to Orlando. Carmelo Anthony has (laughs) been on like three teams since then. And look, not every team can lock up their, their player for the future. That's just modern sports. I get it. I'm not pointing a finger at the Knicks. But if Randall really wants a future in New York, I think the Knicks would accommodate him because after the year, which is very soon, he's going to be eligible for an extension that could guarantee him $106 million. And if he signs it, he'll be under contract until 2025, 2026. The only thing is, is he might be leaving money on the table because if Randall becomes an unrestricted free agent, which means one more year, if that happens... um, I got a Bill Bradley thing. Did Bill Bradley play his whole career there? All right, Bill ba- Bill Bradley, the uh, – I know that uh, – well, I can't put Phil Jackson on the list either. I was wondering about Bradley. But anyway, uh, he can get $106 million, uh guaranteed if he signs after this year. But if he does become an unrestricted free agent, he could get as much as $202 million. So if he wants to remain in New York badly enough, he'll just take the uh, off-season extension and the security that comes with it. I've always said when Tim Lincecum got offered 100 mil by the Giants, he didn't sign it. He ended up making 60 more mil in his career. Like he's poor. He's not. But that's the thing. He might be leaving $100 million on the table. That's (laughs) That's nothing to sneeze at. All right, I'll sneeze and I'll come on back.
1: That's 855-325-1780. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? 1759 800 449 1759 again that's 800 449 1759
3: Matthew huh oh
2: sorry it's
3: okay i just need you to listen to me
1: i know that a lot of times mom
2: it might not seem like i'm listening to you but i am i hear you and what you say really does matter to me
10: i mean let's be honest no kid likes rules
3: but i get why we have them
10: so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking.
0: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
7: Yeah, we're not gonna fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe? (laughs) It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. High. No from the dog.
10: No small. Rick Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your Mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
4: That uh, really hurts my feelings. I have to say, one a play to get in. You know, there's a little note uh, uh, from a baseball I'd like to get to, and I can be a little bit parochial at times because I went to a little tiny college. And uh, there are a couple of guys who were teammates, um, and one of them was mainly a shortstop And Tony Gonsolin. Tony Gonsolin started two games in the World Series for the champion Dodgers. His teammate, Corbin Burns of the Brewers, just set a Major League record yesterday. 55 strikeouts and zero walks to start the season. That is an all-time record in the history of baseball, and (laughs) when he finally did walk a guy, he got up to 58, and so you can very easily calculate his KBB ratio, 58 to 1. (laughs) And um, as I said, if you went to a place like uh, Ohio State, uh, you might be like, eh. although Notre Dame people act like they went to a school the size of St. Mary's, he's a Golden Domer, man. <laughs> but anyway, go Gales. How about that? I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back. We got Nate Ebner coming up in the third hour.
14: Radio News with Tim Berg. A House panel is looking into U.S. cybersecurity capabilities. Wisconsin Republican Mike Gallagher citing the Colonial Pipeline cyber attack, which is thought to have originated in Russia.
10: We had
13: Russian cyber actors last week shut down a major U.S. pipeline, highlighting the cyber threat posed to our critical infrastructure from actors anywhere in the world. U.S. retail
14: sales were flat in April as shoppers pulled back on goods purchases while boosting spending on services. Retail spending surging by 10.7% in March as many households received $1,400 stimulus checks as federal authorities distributed a round of economic impact payments authorized by the recent $1.9 trillion pandemic relief bill. Earlier this week, a Labor Department report showed inflation soared by 4.2 percent. USA Radio News.
11: Hi, I'm Wayne Alarood, and I'm in the best shape of my life. I love working out hard every day, but I turned 60 this year, and working out can cause some serious aches and pains. I was commiserating with my buddy, Jay Schrader, the Super Bowl champion and former Raiders quarterback, about the challenges of staying in great shape for anyone over age 50. Jay said I had to try sonsoflibertycbd.com, and it would heal my body, mind, and soul. He was right. No more aches and pains. I feel like a million bucks. Finding quality CBD, not easy, but Sons of Liberty CBD, highest quality CBD I've ever seen. CBD is not pot. It won't get you high. It's 100% legal. It's 100% American-made. CBD is mainstream, and it works for my listeners. SonsofLibertyCBD.com is offering a discount of 15% off every product if you use the code WAR15 at checkout. Even better, you can combine this discount with your subscription discount for 25% off. Please support veteran-owned, service-disabled, small business, Sons of cbd.com. Just say WAR15 to get 25% off a
14: long-anticipated vote took place in the republican party
0: house republicans approved representative elise stefanik as their number three leadership position friday officially voting her into the post after representative liz cheney of wyoming was forced out wednesday
3: and the american people know that the stakes are incredibly high we're going to fight for them each and every day against the destructive radical far left socialist agenda of President Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi that's destroying America.
0: After President Trump's endorsement, the 134-46 tally for Stefanik from New York was decisive. Representative Chip Roy of Texas and Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana, who served as vice chair, were also in consideration. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. The
14: Mega Millions lottery jackpot for Friday night is nearly a half a billion dollars. It's currently sitting at $430 million and climbing. The estimated cash payout, just over $290 million. USA Radio News.
11: Hi, this is Wyatt Cox. Each and every day, the USA Radio Network produces three hours of the greatest radio programs of all time, comedies, drama, Suspense, it's all there. Classic radio theater. Now, if your radio station doesn't carry the program, you can find them anywhere podcasts are served, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker. Just search for USA Classic Radio Theater. Find it. USA Classic Radio Theater. You'll love it.
14: President Biden spent a week pitching his infrastructure plan to different members of the Republican Party. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell both meeting at the White House, along with another group of Republican senators, including Republican Senator from Mississippi, Roger Wicker.
1: The things we have in common, Republicans and the president uh, want to build roads, bridges, we want to uh, add broadband to that great heartland of America that includes uh, Alabama and Mississippi, and uh, ports. rail um, water clean water infrastructure we all want to do that and i think that's what most americans think of when we talk about infrastructure and so uh, we have a plan that we've given to the president uh obviously he'd like to plus it up a bit i think he knows that uh, to get it through the republican uh majority uh, through, through the majority of republicans it it can't be uh anything approaching what he's asking
14: That audio courtesy of MSNBC. And finally, it looks like the majority of pet owners would pick their four-legged friend over their romantic partner. A study by one poll on behalf of Zesty Paws found 67% of respondents would break up with their significant other if their pet doesn't like them. Of the 2,000 respondents, 71% trust their pet's judgment more than their own. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim.
1: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
2: Rick Tittle
7: knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy.
3: I love that guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
4: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. Get you in and get you heard. Just one more guest coming up in a little over a half half hour. Nate Ebner with a forward by Urban Meyer. Nate Ebner's new book called Finish Strong, A Father's Code and a Son's Path. Here's the thing about uh, Nate Ebner, played for the New England Patriots and got a couple of uh, rings there. But uh, he also is a rugby sevens player for the United States national team, which I think is pretty cool. Just showing that uh, you don't have to just do one sport. Right? And I think about uh, the two different disciplines, too. Like, just the way you hold a rugby ball, to me, is so... Horrible. I mean, I just mean horrible. Because you basically... You keep it perpendicular to the ground. And then you pin it to your chest. You don't carry it like a football. You hold it straight up and then you pin it to your chest. And for me, <laughs> I think about putting the front of a football in the palm of my hand and the other point in the crook of my elbow and carrying a football like that. So it's not... If you just say, oh yeah, rugby, football, same thing. No, and plus in football, everything goes forward. And in rugby, like a crawdad, everything goes back. In fact, last year when I was fishing in uh, Mammoth, I saw a huge crawdad, big as a lobster. And I put the net behind him and he scooted his butt right into the net. My brother fried him up. I was too scared to eat him, but he said he was delicious. It's funny, he was like gray, and then when he cooked him, he was bright red. I guess that's what lobsters look like after you cook them. Anyway, I digress. Nate Ebner will join us, but it's open lines until then. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on in. Big shout out to our troops listening both home and abroad on American Forces Radio Network. You're doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, and the Stitcher app. We're on CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel, Tune Your Cable Provider, 35 Million Homes Homes. Tiddling Sports with Rick Tittle. Come on back.
5: At Tub Towels, we started with the toughest messes.
6: And quickly realize Tuba Towel's heavy duty cleaning wipes can clean just about anything like stubborn brake dust, spilled paint, even permanent marker. There's literally thousands of uses. Proudly made in the USA with over 30,000 five star reviews. Find Tuba Towel's heavy duty cleaning wipes at your local auto parts store, the Home Depot, Lowe's, and more. Look for the big yellow tub.
3: John Clay's cleaning service supplies. has a spotless reputation, but his business operations yes, could use a light dusting. Boy, I
14: had your schedule for next week. I'll just check here. No, absolutely, we will be there
3: tomorrow. Indeed can help him hire the people he needs.
14: I need Indeed.
3: Indeed, you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com/credit and get seventy-five dollars towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
10: You're crazy, I like you, but you're crazy. saw Rick Tittle at the laundromat last night, and I was hella checking him out. I just kept staring at him, and he played like I wasn't even there. I be like that then.
4: She's Louise. All right. Thank you for that. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Get in and get heard, wherever you might happen to be listening in the U.S. of A. Uh, just a uh, little note. Uh, I was looking at roster spots who's in, who's out who's doing this, who's doing that in the NFL and uh, just seeing how things shape up because there's still some guys out there on the chopping block that can be added to rosters I was thinking about Frank Gore because he rewrote the NFL record book for running backs who have competed past 30 and today is his 38th birthday, which is weird because I think Frank Gore is almost like my age. (laughs) 38 is nothing, but for a running back, it's Methuselah. And, uh, if he plays in the NFL this season, because he's one of those guys who is still out there, but he can accomplish some things that no one ever has. Because first of all, there's never been a running back who's been 38 years old in the history of football. Never. Now there have been three fullbacks that age, so technically running back, but I'm talking a tailback here. My man Lo Neal, uh, Fred McAfee, and Tony Richardson. They all played at 38 and that was it. So um, Remember, Gore, if he just takes a, a one snap next year, will be the first tailback uh, to ever do that. The most rushing yards for a fullback who's 38 years old is Richardson, who carried for 13 yards and five carries. How about that? So <laughs> now for all football players, The record for a 38-year-old actually belongs to Doug Flutie, who 21 years ago rushed for 153 yards, but, of course, he was a quarterback. Josh McCown was 38 years old, and he rushed for 5 yards as a 38-year-old. So, as I said, uh, when uh, Flutie was with the Chargers uh, at age 39, he ran for 192 yards. The most touchdowns ever for a player over, uh, over 37 was McCown, who had five touchdowns with the Jets. So uh, last year, Gore had 187 carries, 653 yards, and two touchdowns. And at 37 years old, he basically was the number one running back for the New York Jets, right? If he does sign with a team, he's not going to be a bell cow. But to be the first tailback to carry a football and rush for any yards at that age will be pretty cool. And as I said, anyone over the age of 30, he has the most rushing yards already. And, uh, he's going to go to the hall of fame. He's one of those guys who's going to go hall, go to the hall of fame because he accrued so many rushing yards. There was never, a, never a season where you would say Frank Gore is the best running back in football. In fact, there would be seasons where you'd say top three, and then you'd look and be like, oh, he is top three, but he never stood out like that. So, as I said, there are guys who are going to be out, especially when you think about this new wave of rookies who are really primed to unseat some veterans as it is. And if you look with the salary cap being reduced, more and more teams are looking at guys who might get cut. And... Uh, Speaking of the Jets, if you look at Jamison Crowder, I mean, he's a really good player. He's one of the most consistent slot receivers in the NFL. He really is. But they brought in this guy, Elijah Moore. And, look, the Jets need as many weapons for Zach Wilson as they can, right? But right now, if they cut Jamison Crowder, they save more than $10 million. That's a massive... Cap savings if Joe Douglas, the GM, wants to hit on Crowder that way. So, um, I don't know. I mean, they went out and they got some cheap free agents like Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, and the second round pick last year, Denzel Mims, has to be factored in. He could be one. Uh, if you look at Cleveland with the offensive tackle, Chris Hubbard, they brought in a guy named James Hudson. Hubbard would save about three and a half mil. Uh, Paul Sinadebo, a nice corner out of Stanford, who I liked, was drafted by the Saints. And you look at Patrick Robinson, who's in his second stint with the Saints, but he's 34 years old. And if he get cuts, gets cut, it's a $2 million savings. And for most teams, who cares? But if you think about the Saints, who have the least amount of cap space in the NFL, every dollar might count. And by the way, the... Uh, Paulson Adebo in Palo Alto, eight interceptions, and still couldn't get become a first-round pick. Um, I look at uh, William Golston in Tampa Bay. They brought in Joe Tryon. Try it on. If it's too big, just cinch it. But he's the second-longest player on the Bucks after Levante David. And, um, I mean, to summarize Golston's career, he's never been bad enough to cut, but he's never been good enough to be a star, and he's going to be 30 this summer which isn't really old, but a first-round pick with a motor like that and you'll save $5 million by cutting him, that could be something. I look at uh, Kenny Young, linebacker with the Rams, and they drafted this kid, Ernest Jones. And, you know, if you think about at South Carolina – Jones uh, was an absolute tackling machine. You could say he's already a better run defender. I don't know how you can say that. He hasn't played in the league. But uh, L.A. is another one of those teams with almost no cap room, so that would save $2.1 million. So, I mean, I'm just looking around. But these are the things where you you if you're a fan, you go, you know, especially a Jets fan, if they cut Jamison Crowder, I'm not saying there'll be riots in the streets, but there'll be a huge backlash. Because the question is, all right, so we saved that money. What did we spend it on? And that was my whole thing about trading uh, Khalil Mack. It's like, oh, now we have more money. or It's like, you can't have an expensive quarterback and an expensive defensive end, outside linebacker. And I'm like, why not? They did have that. They did have that. Okay, well, he's going to get a raise. And The only good thing about that trade is they got um, – Josh Jacobs with the pick. Would I rather have Khalil Mack or Josh Jacobs? That's not even a question. Would I rather have one of the best defensive players in the NFL or a nice young running back? Uh, Nice young running backs are rare, but they're not as rare as great pass rushers. (laughs) And the Raiders, since they got rid of Khalil Mack, have been a joke when it comes to pressuring the quarterback. I mean, they had a late-round pick in a guy named Max Crosby who's had any semblance of getting to the pass rusher. We'll see if Nkagaway and some of these other guys they brought in would do anything. Do you think Solomon Thomas is going to do anything? He's going to be playing the tackle position. No. They've just whiffed on guys like Jihad Ward and P.J. Hall and some of these other, you know, both those guys were second-round picks that did nothing. So, as I said, the chopping block is out there. And, uh, you know, what Jets fans will say, well, what are you going to do with the 10 mil? You, I would spend 10 mil just to keep Jamison Crowder on the roster. And you know what? I see that thinking completely. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports
0: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for
1: a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635. At 28, I had struggled with
9: opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call.
1: That's 800 403 5912.
4: I joined the Army because
14: my father and my brother were in the Army. I thought I'd better join before I got drafted.
11: Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more.
5: There was one?
10: Tittle always goes commando.
4: All right. Uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. Uh, next segment, Nate Ebner has written a book. We'll talk to the Super Bowl champ uh, at that time. Lines are available at 1-800-878-PLAY. A couple of baseball notes. Um, when I think about the uh, United Team USA roster for the U.S. Olympic team as baseball's Coming back, and you might remember that team that uh, won the Olympics, the Doug Menkevich team. Tommy Lasorda was the manager. Uh, when I look at some of the people are on the roster, now this is not the World Baseball Classic, but apparently the training camp in Port St. Lucie is going to have David Robertson, who was a good pitcher, Todd Frazier, whose career is over. Brad Brock uh, as well, even though he's with the Reds AAA. They're saying that Homer Bailey and Edwin Jackson are, are going to be on the team. <laughs> but <clears throat> what what the hell are we doing? Is this who we want to see, just a bunch of scrubs? I, I don't know. It's It's weird. I know Team USA has reached out to some players. Apparently Ryan Braun is a guy who is interested, but uh, Braun has uh, received interest from uh, Team Israel. And I actually know someone who works in the biz um, who's of uh, Jewish heritage who was very upset that uh, Lance Bregman picked USA over Israel for the World Baseball Classic. And I'm like, yeah, but he's American. This is the way I look at it, like when it comes to, to me i think your your country should get first dibs and then if they don't want you then yeah do whatever you want technically i qualify to play in the world cup for denmark because my grandfather is from denmark he's born and raised there but the thing is is that denmark is better than the usa at soccer so fat chance but if i was a really good soccer player and the usa said don't call us we'll call you never mind we're good hell yeah i'd play for denmark so I don't begrudge these guys doing it. Like Nate Fryman, who's a great guy, not good enough to play baseball for the United States. He played for Team Israel in the lead up of the world baseball. Remember that great Israeli team in Tokyo, what they did? Some of those walk-offs. In fact, one of the catchers, the A's signed for five minutes. Team uh, Italy was, uh, remember when you had Mike Piazza? It was basically just a bunch of Italian guys from America so, that, yeah, that's fine. Look, Ryan Braun can do whatever he wants, but uh, the way it works out is that uh, you can't be on the team if you're on a 40-man. <laughs> so the qualifying tournament is going to be the USA, Canada, Colombia, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela. Well, uh, already I think about teams like, Cuba, the Dominicans, the Venezuelans, they'll be out for blood. Those are great teams. But if the USA can't have somebody from the 40-man, I mean, that's that's just going to be a bunch of amateurs and a bunch of scrubs. Not saying that they wouldn't be able to hang because they said they are, you know, uh, they are major leaguers or former major leaguers, but that's still, I mean, you, you excited to see Todd Frazier? Probably not. Todd Frazier, by the way, I remember at down in Glendale being in the White Sox clubhouse. They share a spring training home with uh, the Dodgers. And I was in there to talk to uh, Brett Laurie. I was waiting on him. And I were hearing Todd Frazier going, Lil, Lil. I'm my baseball bat and a baseball hat. i think like, this guy's from Tom's River, New Jersey. How do you get a Southern accent? I don't know. I didn't ask him. But speaking of baseball, on a more serious note, the Players Union today has filed a grievance against the league. Oh, great. Labor peace? Not so fast. They have filed a grievance against the league because they're saying MLB never negotiated in good faith to play as many games as possible during the pandemic. And the players association is seeking half a billion dollars, which they're saying is the equivalent of 20 games of additional pay. Now at this point, any timeline for a potential, um, resolution is not known. Uh, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, Evan Drellich as well. They both reported that this was filed two weeks ago. We just didn't know about it. But the league is arguing that that 60-game season was a joke. And the, uh, the union, I'm saying, the league is saying, no, no, that was the maximum due to health and safety reasons. Remember, the league submitted a proposal for a larger number of games at first, but that came with salary cuts. And the league knew that that would be a non-starter. Remember that, we'll play 100 games, you gotta take a huge pay cut though. We'll never take a pay cut, all right, then 60 games. So, um, The Athletic also notes that the league has asked the union to fast track all their uh, findings so that a resolution can be made in advance of the expiration of the CBA. That's December 1st, which means that you just told the union, let it drag out. Let it drag out because now this is going to be a negotiating pawn or ploy in CBI talks, right? So the crux of the grievance, I think, if you look at when that was reached, and it was March 26th when the union and the league sat down, the agreement stipulated that the league would make its, quote, best efforts to play as many games as possible, end quote. And then less than a month after making the, that uh, agreement, they were in a new debate once it became clear that there were no fans in attendance. And so the union left the window open for the owners to pull back on their commitment to those prorated salaries because the language in the agreement said that they would both sides would discuss in uh, good faith economic feasibility of playing games in the absence of spectators and then what did we get months ugly months debating all played out in the public eye meanwhile people are watching tiger documentaries and uh (laughs) jogging when can we get some baseball and the new agreement was never reached we never got it and so rob manfred just went in with his powers as commissioner and says, here's a 60-game schedule at full pay, go. So now they didn't have reduced salaries, but they were prorated. If you play 37% of the games, you're going to get 37% of your salary. And then the service time was prorated, such that one day on the MLB roster was shortened to uh, .77 days. I mean, it's just... So, incentive clauses, vesting options that would trigger other things, the player contracts, everything was prorated. So, now it seems like both these sides are set up to get in the ring again, spar slash fight. The nebulous language in that agreement, as I said before, you know, we'll try as best as we can, which is nothing that you can put legs under, right? I mean, if they can't agree on some sort of form of settlement, then it's going to go to a three person arbitration panel. One member of that panel will be from the union. One member member of the panel panel will be from the league, which is a joke, which means it's a one person arbitration thing. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine the one from the league? You know what? The players are like, got they got some, they made some great points. Now, and do you think the union guy would be like, you know what? I, I sat down with Manfred, and, and he spelled it out. You guys are wrong. I got to vote for him. It comes down to whoever that one person is to decide. But $500 million? And then you have to figure out how that's going to get distributed? Is uh, and, and the guys who aren't playing anymore, who aren't on rosters, who are trying to make the Olympic team? <laughs> I mean, what do you give Todd Frazier? Uh, do you give him nothing? You know, it's sort of like the whole thing with the Kentucky Derby. I was sp- speaking yesterday with Dick Girardi and and he's like, yeah, if I had Mandaloon on 27 to one to win and now he's, he might actually win and I don't get the cash in, I might be kind of mad. Yeah. I mean, do you just go to 40 man rosters now and say, Hey, you get some of the money you missed on. I wasn't in the big leagues last year. I'm a rookie. Oh, will you still get it. Yeah. So, 500 million. Look, you always start high in negotiating or start low depending on what end you're on. What are they going to end up with? Do you, can you imagine Major League Baseball? I bet you they thought that they were done and dusted with this. They were free and clear. All right, we got through that. New season. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys were full of crap last year and now pay up. It's not good for the fans. It never is. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. Nate Ebner on the other side.
6: Head to relieffactor.com or call 1-800-500-8384. Relief Factor helps to support a healthy response to inflammation and decreases discomfort from the effects of daily living. And you can get yours at relieffactor.com or by calling 1-800-500-8384. Your life, your freedom. Get back to living at relieffactor.com.
9: Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns?
3: John, Clay's cleaning service supplies? has a spotless reputation, but his business operations yes, could use a light dusting. Boy, I
11: had you for next week? I'll just check here. No, absolutely, we will be there tomorrow. Indeed
3: can help him hire the people he needs.
14: I need Indeed.
3: Indeed, you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com/credit and get seventy-five dollars towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
8: It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass.
10: Tittle's got a black belt in keeping it real.
4: All right, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Super Bowl champion Nate Ebner. He has a brand new book from Penguin Press called "Finish Strong: A Father's Code and a Son's Past." Nate, welcome to the show. This really is, um, you know, all about you and your relationship with your dad and um it, it speaks to me just on b- before I even open a page because you know, I was back in the 80s I was a D2 safety and my dad was you know he meant everything to me w- what did your dad mean to you growing up
8: Well thanks for having me first of all but um I mean he went he meant everything to me he was uh you know you know my superman my foundation uh my support in everything that I did and really my biggest believer, um, you know, I um, I spoke to some people recently and I was talking about how, you know, when I made the decision to walk on to Ohio State to play football, you know, when I told him that and I'm looking across, you know, the table at, at this man, he he believes in me that I can do anything as much or more than I believe in myself. So he, he really meant the world to me. And uh, by the end of our relationship, uh, our time together, he was like a best friend to me so he, he was everything
4: now we people should know you are a um a rugby player and your dad loved rugby he put that love of the sport into you in fact you didn't even play a high school football so when you said i'm going to go out and not just walk on some you know d3 school you're going to try to walk on <laughs> for the the buckeyes how many people told you that you were stupid
8: uh, just about everybody, you know, <laughs> and you really find out where, you know, where people's belief in you really lies. I mean, like I said, you know, my dad was my biggest believer, so that's really all I needed. I was lucky that I had someone like that. You know, most people don't have someone in their life they can look at, and, and that person believes in them the way he believed in me. So, you know, everybody else didn't really matter once I had that. Um, but like you, like you're asking, I mean... The majority of everyone thought, you know, wow, that's a bold decision or um, maybe bite off more than you can chew or you'll see or maybe you'll make the team but, you know, you won't play or uh, just everything along those lines, doubt everywhere. And, um, you know, like I said, I had my dad's um, belief in me and that's all I needed and, and that's what I focused on.
4: And uh, y- your dad—it uh, was a, uh, a tragedy. It was a, a crime. Uh, you lost him, and then how do you how do you get back on the horse when your when your rudder, you know, your 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 idol is gone?
8: Yeah, man. Uh, like we just talked about, he was everything to me. My like I said, my Superman, that foundation. And uh, to lose him, uh, I was in a in a world of hurt, emotionally distraught. Uh, just just. broken, you know, and um, I didn't really know which direction to go, and I was, you know, in a really bad place, but luckily I had my mom there who uh, showed amazing strength, and, um, you know, it's one of my favorite parts of the book is talking about the strength that she showed to say what she needed to say to me, not because, you know, she was trying to make me She didn't say what would comfort me or make me feel better or make me feel all right about the whole thing and, hey, everything's going to be okay. She didn't say those things. She said, you know, you need to live a life that he would be proud of. You need to uh, live a life that, you know, where you can put forward all the things he's taught you and, and, um, you know, you can't let this define you. And, um, you know, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. And and she said it and and the the strength it took and how hard it was for her to, to bring those words to light. Um, you know, I'll never forget forget her, her face when she was telling me that. And um, what a powerful moment, the turning point in my life, um, which, you know, I lost my dad. Who knows which route I would have gone had I not had that conversation. So uh, I, I was blessed to have her. I still am blessed to have her. But, um, you know, to me, it's just a great example that tragedy isn't something that has to define us. It isn't something that has to dictate the course of our life. You know, things happen and and we can find positives to, to live on as the people that we may lose would want us to. So,
4: No, it's very poignant. A couple more questions for Nate Ebner the book, Finish Strong. What did, um, you know, guys like Trussell and Urban Meyer, who's done the forward for the book, and then, you know, Coach Belichick, he's not going to give you a hug and a kiss on the cheek, but, but what did they do? Is Did they ever take on kind of a fatherly role?
8: Um, you know, I think early on when I was at Ohio State in a very, uh, fragile state, very fresh, um, you know, just months after my dad had passed, um, some coaches, you know, namely Luke Fickle, who was the defensive coordinator at the time, ended up being the head coach, the interim head coach when all that stuff at Ohio State happened, uh, with the tattoo gate stuff and, and Trestle had to leave. But, uh, Luke Fickle, was kind of someone who looked over me in the shadows he was he was great um but other than that I mean Trestle was great as well I mean one of the highest character people I've ever met in my life but you know he's got a football team to run and he showed me a lot of support but um at the end of the day I didn't I didn't want another father figure either right I didn't need it Mm -hmm. I had the best father in the world um you know I was set in my ways at 19 you know 20 years old um I just I just needed someone to give me a chance and that's all that, you know, Coach Tressel did and, and Luke Fickle and, and eventually Bill Belichick when I went to the Patriots. That's that's all I wanted and um, you know, they were great coaches and, and they, they allowed me to just prove my work day in and day out and you know, I'm I'm thankful for that.
4: Very interesting. Now I mentioned rugby as you did in Columbus and there's a big difference between rugby league rugby union and rugby sevens and rugby sevens is the most wide open and there's not a lot of slow guys playing rugby sevens it is a fast paced game what was it about that, that that drew you to that and then eventually got you down to the Olympics in Brazil?
8: Right. Well, long story there well Rugby, rugby sevens is rugby union, but just only like half the guys on the field. So it's kind of, it's the same game. It's like, I like to relate it to if basketball is five on five, it'd be like playing three on three on a full court basketball court. Mm-hmm. And it's just a super fast paced game. Uh, it was always something I played in in the summers. It was a, it was a sport that really I learned how to play. You know, they play a lot of touch in rugby um, in the summertime. And that was a great way for a young kid to, to get, put into the sport without having to tackle and play the physical part of the game and I was around the game my entire life my dad had brought me around it was something I was always exposed to and sevens was a huge uh, vessel for me to learn the game in a way where I could play with adults and watch them and participate with them without the, the physical aspect so I eventually graduated into, into 15s rugby union and um, you know played on the junior national team but I always had that Four of sevens uh, rugby within me and um, yeah, uh, what a great opportunity the Olympics came around and it was something that was, once they announced that rugby would be in the Olympics, which it hadn't hadn't been in the Olympics for nearly 100 years, uh, how, how could you not want to take that, that opportunity to represent your country and be an Olympian? I mean I'm at the prime of my athletic career in my age, you know, 27 years old and I grew up playing rugby my entire life and here comes this opportunity that all of a sudden it's in the Olympics. I mean, I I felt destined to do it. I felt like pulled in that direction and and I felt like I really didn't have a choice and, um, and made my decision easy. So, um, I had to, and it, and it was a great experience, and, uh, and I'm thankful that I had all those experiences to give me the, the opportunity to make that team. So.
4: Yeah, it must be incredible to pull, pull on the red, white, and blue USA. How about uh, Tokyo? Are you involved?
8: Uh, I mean, we're currently in the process of you know building up to a, a selection camp, which will then lead to the Olympic team and then the Olympics. So we're in the process. I'm currently out training, trying to you know leaving right now, um, trying to uh, trying to get better and give myself a chance to, to make this team and you know right the wrongs of 2016. Uh, one of the biggest things in my career that upset me really is that I wouldn't say upset, but bother me is when people say hey, you won you won uh, the gold medal in the in rugby in the Olympics and I'm and I have to correct them and. You know, tell them, nah, you know, we didn't win a medal, we should have, blah, blah, blah. But I would love to write that wrong and go, go to Tokyo and, and bring back a medal for the United States in a sport I've loved my entire life.
4: You know, after getting three rings with the Patriots and playing for the Giants last year, have you ever thought about going to New Zealand or Australia and, 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 or maybe to England and playing leagues over there, rugby?
8: Uh, not at this point, you know, um, if I had you know, had I, had my NFL career gotten cut short, you know, that could have been a potential, uh, game, gameplay, like, but, um, you know, having had the success that I have had with the NFL, um, you know, they pay too well to leave that league, honestly. Um, and at this point in my career, I'm kind of getting older and, um, you know, I'm, I'm following passion more than anything and, and that passion is growing rugby in the united states uh, not not leaving this country to to go play the game somewhere else you know i want to do everything i can to help build that sport here and there's a lot of growth to come and and i see it coming it's it's it's, it's coming and man, i want to be a part of it
4: last question for you when you wrote the book you had to revisit a lot of things that that you and your dad did did you find out Anything new about him or even yourself now that you're a, a grown man that you when you took a look back that just kind of reminded you of something one way or the other?
8: I mean, obviously the whole thing was a very nostalgia type of thing to do. It was it brought back so much uh, memory so many good memories, great memories. Um, you know, I think I knew he loved me, but when I really look at the detail at which he parented me and, and the, the energy he put me. Um, you know, I realized how much even more he loved me. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's one of the biggest things. I, and I already knew that about him, right? But I, I learned even more as I sit and look at the details at which he put forward. And, and I would also add that he had a talent for, you know, driving me, but doing it in a positive way. And, and he was just so skilled and I don't even know if he knew he was but it was just uh so skilled at being you know the positive uh you know driving force in my life that gave me so much confidence to go out and conquer anything and um you know as I look back through that I really see how well he really did that and um I'd say that's the biggest thing I took away from that experience that I learned that that was kind of almost new to me.
4: Well, your athletic career is already amazing. Three Super Bowl rings, Ohio State walk-on to NFL draft pick, and U.S. Olympian. Make sure to pick up, everyone. Finish strong, a father's code, and a son's path. It's a great story available now from Penguin Press and by our guest, Nate Ebner. Nate, congratulations on the book. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us.
8: Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate it.
4: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a break. Come on back.
1: 800-754-4531.
0: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Great bought it under a trophy
11: I'm stands cold. am a snaggy tall I'm a snaggy on his wall He calls me brother sport But he loves to kill it's fun And the power that he feels When he runs the trigger of it his-
10: i'm so disgusted by rick tittle that i find him very intoxicating
4: thank you for that and uh welcome back to the show nice to have you uh with us wherever you're listening uh one more note before we go i like how with golf you know you you don't have to just have qualifiers it's just like ah you want to play because that's what's happened with Phil Mickelson. lefty has accepted a special exemption from the United States golf association to play in the U S open next month in his hometown of San Diego. And that'll give him a one more opportunity to complete the career grand slam. He has been the runner up in the U S open six times, which is the most in history. He's been in the top 10 29 times. And he would need to rank in the top 60 of the world golf rankings by June 7th to happen. And that wasn't going to happen because he currently ranks 116th. So the CEO of the USGA said, quote, Phil Mickelson's incredible USGA playing record and overall career achievements are among the most noteworthy in the game's history. We are thrilled to welcome him to this year's US Open at Torrey Pines. And Mickelson's about to turn 51 and he said winning the Open is a lifelong dream. I don't know. who would, pe- would you rather see him or some guy from Germany you never heard of who deserves it? I think you'd rather see Phil. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week, Monday morning at 9 a.m.